Okay, good morning, everybody. So, I am loving the fact that I am getting to talk to you this morning about one of my favorite subjects. Um, the lovely Stephen is going to be coming up and sharing his pearls. Well, the lovely Stephen. He, it's a good subject. Maybe not my favorite, Stephen. But um, So, Stephen's going to come up shortly and he's going to be sharing some pearls of wisdom um, about this particular topic as well. So over the last wee while, we've been looking at key practices in Emmanuel. So um, we've been looking at prioritizing presence and mobilizing mission. Um, And so today we're moving on to our next one, which is growing as a family. So as I said, this is something that I am really, really passionate about, pretty much in every context of the word. But it's not because my own personal experience has been perfect in a home or a church context, but it's because I believe that this is God's design for how we are to live and that there's a fullness that we haven't maybe experienced as yet that we can really delve into as we explore this whole idea of family and how to grow as a family. And for those of us, I'm very aware there's some people, and even that term family, maybe for you, that's a difficult term. Um, Maybe, you know, you have had some difficult personal experiences, but I just want to say to you this morning, please know that the Lord's heart is to bring healing to past and maybe even present hurts and allow yourselves this morning to become excited with us all together as we dream about what God has for us in this context. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, I've actually had a pretty good family experience and that's really great. But actually, there is so much more for all of us, so much more than what all of us have experienced that I believe that God wants to tap into as we invite his definition um, of, of church, what his desire is for that to look like. And so as I have been preparing for this, and as I've been praying and really seeking God, um, I really feel that I have been particularly challenged. And in fact, something has ignited in my heart by my Heavenly Father around this, around all of you, around this unique, new, well, we're four months old, believe it or not, um, church family that God has called into being in this season in this time, for such a time as this. And interestingly, the uniqueness of the story behind the design of this church and the makeup of this church, it's something that has really captured people's imaginations. And I had a chat recently with somebody actually who goes here who's from Portadown, and they said, you know, Debbie, people are watching carefully. People are watching how this new church is evolving and what is happening. So we have two churches that have come together by choice to form one church, along with a number of other people from various other settings. So can that really work? Can that really thrive long term? Well, 
let me tell you that we could actually at this point write a book about the journey that God has taken us on to get us to this point. How he has directed and shaped and confirmed in many amazing ways the creation of this church at this time and in this place. And to be honest, I have no doubt in my mind that God has called Emmanuel Church Portadown into being a brand new expression of him. And it's stunning, isn't it? It's so beautiful to watch what God has done and what he is continuing to do as he's breathing life and blessing us with his presence in tangible and really, really beautiful ways. And I also believe as I've been preparing this, that we're been called to aim for a standard of holiness and a culture of honour and love that will, insofar as we can, as imperfect people, imitate church family as God's design always intended it to be. And look, I'm not being unrealistic here. Perfection, as we all well know, it isn't something which can be wholly achieved in the now and the not yet tension of the kingdom. We'll have an eternity to enjoy all of that. But as a Christian singer and songwriter rightly stated, if the perfect church existed, I wouldn't fit in. Isn't that quite true? But yet I feel it in the context of this church that God is setting the bar really high for us. But it's okay because we don't have to do it and strive for it on our own because we've got the help and the support of the Holy Spirit. And how much do we need him? And it's as we pursue deeper relationship with Jesus and become increasingly transformed to look more like him, it's as that happens that we can see the fullness and the richness of everything that God has for us whenever we come together as a people. Because I believe that God has put within us an innate desire to achieve a closer likeness to him, to look more like him, to be more his hands and his feet. And this longing, it then encourages us um, to achieve love and community and unity. Oh, I forgot about this. There we go. So you may be familiar with this. So just over a decade ago, this new work of fiction came onto the shelves. And it's one which stirred considerable emotion and really a range of opinions in the Christian and the secular worlds. And so as you do, I decided to read it for myself. So um, are you familiar? Give me a show of hands if you are familiar. Yeah, most of you are. For those of you who aren't, to summarise very, very briefly, um, the context of the story is that a family suffer a terrible tragedy. Um, The father then responds to an invitation to meet with Papa, Um, And that's kind of the family name for God. And so he goes and he he goes and meets up and it turns out that then there are three people who are together in the cottage um, who make up what we would refer to as the Trinity. So God the Father, Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I have to say, as I read this book, I was completely struck by the depiction of these relationships, by the Trinitarian relationships. And they really captured my heart and my imagination. But actually more than that, 
I think that within me, it awakened more of an appreciation and actually an understanding um, of the very nature of God. And so just this week, I invited myself to Keith and Sharon's house, armed with my compulsory salted and sweet popcorn combination, as you do. And um, I have to say, the film didn't disappoint. I really, really loved it. Just the vibrancy of colour and the scenes that actually built upon and complemented those that my imagination had conjured up as I was reading the book. But the main thing that stood out for me in this story, as I say, it was the beauty of the relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. It was just stunning. And I think that it highlighted to me that in his very essence, God models the richness of relationships and communication and affection and absolute love for, uh, for everybody. And so what do we see in the Trinity that we could maybe aspire um, to have in our church? Well, we see equality. We see interdependence, cooperation, sharing, mutual giving and receiving. And I believe that as Christians in this new church body, that we are called to um, embody a new community that reflects this. And whenever we try to place our man-made ideas about authority onto the Trinity, we always end up doing things like trying to figure out who's the boss Isn't that right? But in God's perfect design, we need to open up our minds to a different way of thinking. Where there is perfect love and mutual submission, actually the question, who is the boss, will rarely ever even come up. And perhaps this abundant life that we read about in John 10 verse 10, perhaps that can be entered into more fully in the context of family and relationships as God has designed them to be and as we look at what is modelled in the Trinity. But let's be under no illusion. The very first part of this verse makes it clear that the thief, otherwise known as the devil or Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And God is doing something really incredible in Emmanuel Church Porta Down, but we are going to have to engage in battle at times in order to see the realisation of what I believe God has called us to be and do as a church family. But as I was writing this, I was thrown back to the CFC days of my youth and I had this song playing over in my head. Um, and it's, But we don't need to fear. It's okay. Because as the enemy presses in hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. So this relationship between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, it's such a powerful one. And it's such a beautiful one for every human community to aspire to, from the most simple to the wider church as well. And I think one of the things that particularly stood out to me or stands out to me, it's how love creates unity out of diversity. And this diversity within the church, it goes right back into history. There we go. Just want to read this first. Galatians 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male 
and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And you see, the Trinity is the primary symbol of a community that is actually held together by celebrating and embracing diversity. So I'm going to pause here and I want you to take a look around at uh, the people who are sitting around you in this church. There you go. You can look behind you on either side of you. What a bunch of good looking people, eh? So Revelation 7 verse 9, it speaks of every tribe and tongue and nation worshipping the Lamb. And since this church started up, actually on a number of occasions, I have felt God paint a picture of that um, in my mind, uh, almost as if in some ways his heart and his design um, is for this church to reflect that, albeit on a much smaller scale. And if you just think about the nationalities represented on this one street where he has planted us, unity out of diversity is our aspiration. So you may be sitting there thinking, why is Debbie spending so long talking about the Trinity? Well, I believe that this actually has to be the starting point whenever we are exploring a family in the context of church. Because if you think about Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, it speaks of how all of us are made in God's image. Now note the plural form here. It's quite interesting. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. So therefore... If we reflect his image, then we are made to be relational beings, just as he is relational. And if you think about the Gospels, how many times did Jesus withdraw to spend time with and to talk to and to pray with his Father? And in Matthew 3, verses 3 to 17, oh, there was a picture, I missed that one. Those are your beautiful faces and our kitties as well. It's not behaving today. No, it's not going back. It's going forward. Is that us? Yeah, that's us. Okay, so Matthew 3, verses 3 to 17. um, And here we read about the baptism of Jesus. And what I want you to think about here is we see the Trinity in all its beauty and unity and splendor. So it says, uh, verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see, the thing is, unlike some religions, Christianity declares that God is not alone or isolated in solitary oneness. And this made me think of one night when I was putting my little boy, who's seven, to bed. And um, we were doing prayers, and he started off the way he usually does, which is, Dear Father God. And then he paused, and he said, And hello, Jesus, and hello, Holy Spirit. And then he looked at me, and I'm sure my face was a bit of a bemused expression, and um, he said, well, mummy, they're all there. It'd be a bit rude to leave any of them out. And I thought to myself, my goodness, you have a pretty good grasp 
of the Trinity that we adults very often struggle to grasp. But back to your creation story. So the next part is pretty interesting because you know the story well. Up until this point, God has looked at everything he has made and he says, it's good. It's really good. And yet at this point, after creating Adam, he says in Genesis 2 verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. You see, our Heavenly Father has designed us. And because he has designed us, he understands completely how we as human beings are wired. Because Adam, he wasn't going to thrive. He wasn't going to reach his potential or experience life in all its abundance, as we referred to earlier, or procreate as a solitary man. And it's funny because we don't tend to think of anything being not good before the fall, since Adam hadn't sinned as yet. But it wasn't that Adam himself wasn't good. His being alone wasn't good. So you know the story. Eve is then created to help and to support and to complement Adam. And in the same way, us, all of us, we need each other. We need to support and to complement one another. And to be truly and fully human, it's to live and to move and to have our being in relationships. And in the context of Genesis, this is looking at marriage. But church community can meet the needs of every one of us, whether single, married, separated, divorced, young or old. So have I any fans of this series? Any fans? Yeah. Okay. It's one of those series that the majority of people are like, ah, friends, brings back childhood memories. So if you're my decade, I discovered this and I thought I would share it with you, which is completely unrelated to what we're talking about. But anyway, do you know that Rachel's baby, Emma, would now be turning 16? Do you know that? Monica and Chandler's twins would be 14 and Phoebe's triplets would be 20. So there you go. You've learned something. Um, But I want to talk about friends for a little minute because I have a 14-year-old daughter and uh, she has just completed watching the final episode of Friends. So as you can imagine, it's taken quite a while. So you're talking 10 seasons, that is 236 episodes. And, you know, Lucy has actually enjoyed it just as much as my generation did. And I was listening to her talking about it and I was thinking, what is it? What is it about Friends that has a real appeal um, right through all the generations? What is it about it? And I've come to the conclusion that it's because of the characters. It's because of the relationships and how they interact. And the characters, you know, they're very, very different, aren't they? And they demonstrate very human emotions as they go through life and share experiences. So there's a real mix of laughter and tears and fighting and tantrums and falling out with each other and making up. But yet, in the midst of all this, they're completely there for one another. They choose to be family and they do life together as opposed to alone. And I came across a quote from a guy, Dave Willis, who is a Christian who would write 
a number of books um, about family in particular. And he said, family isn't, isn't defined only by last names or by blood. It's defined by commitment and love. It means showing up when they need it most. It means having each other's backs. It means choosing to love one another, even on those days when you struggle to like each other. It means never giving up on each other. So can we relate? Are there any relationships that we find difficult or tricky or challenging? Every one of us are in the same boat. And the thing is, nobody ever promised that doing church as a family would be easy. Because just as in any human relationships, um, there will be challenges. And over the years, it has really saddened myself and Chris um, as we've been involved in church when we have seen a number of people who have actually chosen to walk away from church rather than dealing with things that arise um, at times in relationships, dealing with awkwardness or apologies or reconciliation. But these are actually things that need to be a normal part of church life. We need to learn to do these things well, and we need to learn to do these things with maturity and with integrity as well. And I actually believe that as we press into these things, instead of running away, um, that we will start as a body and as a church family to to attain a depth of unity and togetherness um, that will more fully reflect family as God intends it to be. And that made me think of that verse in Psalm 133 verse 1, which says, How good, how pleasant when brothers dwell in unity. And that's what we aspire to, isn't it? That's the sort of people that we want to be in this church. And I don't need to tell you all, life can be tough. None of us want to, or thankfully are called, to walk it alone. I'm sure that most of you know that one of the worst forms of torture is actually solitary confinement. And prisoners are said to absolutely rejoice when they see so much as a spider. Just anything alive, anything, anything real. And loneliness is something that we need to think about as a church. And I remember watching, I think it was a BBC documentary not very long ago, and it was about loneliness. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. And I remember watching it thinking, but this doesn't need to be like this. Something can be done about this. But loneliness is one of the worst conditions faced by lots of people in society today. And actually, it's now been termed an epidemic. And it's kind of strange because on one hand, we're said to be more technologically connected than ever. But yet, all the research is showing that loneliness is an increasing problem. And in fact, a recent review of studies indicates that loneliness actually increases mortality risk by 26%. That's huge, isn't it? You see, we are not meant to do life alone. Social interactions are a basic and a human need. And more specifically, having someone to rely on should we need it. That's really, really particularly important. And that 
factor was actually chosen as a headline indicator for the United Nations World Happiness Report 2018, a landmark survey of the state of global happiness. And it's great, it's good news, because the, the church, this church, can address this issue both internally and externally. And in the announcements, we were talking about the, the Friday Morning Connect Cafe starting up. And I love that. I'm so excited to think about this ministry starting up so shortly, where people from all walks can come and they can come into this place and they can be seen and they can be valued and loved and welcomed, welcomed and listened to. And let's be praying as well into the conversations that God will open up um, whenever we head onto the streets of Portadown with Dixie's support. There are incredible kingdom opportunities heading our way to share the truth of God's heart for everyone to find family, for everyone to be adopted and to know the sense of belonging whilst being celebrated as the unique individual that they have been designed to be. I'm being real about it, again. As more broken people come in, this is going to require work on our part, isn't it? It is going to bring its own challenges, but we have the Holy Spirit with with us, and we have his wisdom to tap into as well along the journey. But we as a church want to be in as healthy a place as possible. But let's not forget ourselves. All of us in this room, we all need to know and we need to feel our value and our worth in this church family. And it's been so good getting to know each other. So we had our birthday cake um, Sunday and then we had our soup lunch there's a bit of a fit theme going on here, isn't there? Um, and then we've got our rescheduled Ballyards Day on Saturday, the 15th of April. And I just want to encourage you guys, please, please prioritise these events. Because this needs to be done together. We all need to be in this and commit to this together to build deep and strong foundations as a new church family. And I appreciate that it'll take some investment. And I appreciate that we're all different. Some of us are more introverted than others. And I appreciate that for some of us, it's going to require us to kind of push ourselves outside our comfort zone a little. But you know what? It is so, so worth it. And I want to encourage you as well, or maybe set a little challenge. Um, On a Sunday morning, it would be fantastic if you determined that you're not going to leave here without speaking to one person who you don't know or haven't met. That will make such a difference. And it would just be great to start meeting up and maybe having a coffee with somebody, all those sorts of things, just to build genuine, um, beautiful church community as God desires. So our heart as a leadership team in Emmanuel Church Portadown, it's this. We want this church to be a place where people know and feel that they belong. And over the next little while, there will be an opportunity um, to commit yourselves more fully if you feel that this is definitely the church that you want to make your home. And as I look around this room, there are so many gifts 
that God has placed within every single one of you. And we can't wait to see you develop in your giftings and step into everything that God has for you and has designed for you to be. Now I've got a little quote from Nikki Gumbel. There we go. So Nikki Gumbel, he put it pretty well when he said this. Church is not an organization you join. It's a family where you belong, a home where you're loved, and a hospital where you find healing. And I spoke at the start about really feeling as I was preparing this that God is raising the bar high. And my heart, with the Holy Spirit's help as well, is that this church would be a place where we speak well of one another, where we honour one another in word and in action, whilst learning to work through disagreements, conflict, those things that we were talking about, in a healthy way. We're all human. None of us are perfect. And actually, I think that's a really helpful place to start from. Because we all need to be shown grace, and love, and patience, and forgiveness. Isn't that right? We also need to extend this to others. Forgive us today our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And in terms of our words, let's choose our words carefully, keeping confidences and building characters that are marked by integrity and trust. I actually know of a church who have a no gossiping policy that they encourage the members to sign. I'm sure that doesn't absolutely eliminate it, but it would certainly make you think twice, wouldn't it? In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul writes, this is Ephesians 4, verses 2 to 3. Paul writes that unity in the body of Christ requires complete humility, the bond of peace, gentleness, patience, and bearing with each other in love. And we as a church family, we want to be there for each other, celebrating in the really good times and seasons in our lives, but also being support spiritually and practically whenever things are tough, whenever we face difficult and painful seasons that in reality come to us all. So the bar is high, but with God, all things are possible. So I want to leave you today to just encouraging you um, let's commit to become everything that God has called us to be as individuals and in our conduct as a church family and I don't need to tell you that there are so many lost and hurting and lonely people God will bring into your midst to be welcomed into this Emmanuel church ported on in his timing And what an adventure and what an absolute privilege. And I know that our hearts are united. We all long to see together his kingdom come and his will be done in in the wider Creek Avon area as well as our town of Portadine. In his last prayer, Jesus says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, 
that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, I'm going to hand over now to Stephen. He has some thoughts around this thing. Great, thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Debbie. I, I I just want to sort of reinforce what what Debbie has been been covering. I think one of the one of the key things that you know in growing as a family or even in the church as a whole, and Debbie has has uh, touched on it. One of the key most most important things I think you have as a, as a family is unity. Uh, just as an example of the type of people that Jesus had in as his disciples, there was Simon the Zealot. Now, the Zealots, I'm not sure if you're aware of who the Zealots were. The Zealots were like a political movement in the first century uh, that, that tried to en- entice the Judean people against the Romans. They hated the fact that the Romans were in, in their territory, in their land, and they, they were totally opposed to the Romans being there and anybody who wanted to help the Romans. So the Zealots, Jesus had Simon the Zealot in his band of disciples. They, they were actually very violent as well. They would have been Valent against the Romans, valent against anybody who wanted to help help with the Romans. So we have Simon the Zealot, and then we have Matthew, who was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors weren't liked because they were taking money off the people, giving the money to the Romans, but they were also seen as people who had turned their back on their own people. So you have Simon the Zealot, who basically wants to kill Matthew the tax collector. And, and Matthew the tax collector, who's hated by the people. And these are the types of people that Jesus has brought together. And you know, when you see in, in church and uh, you know a wide diversity of the people that we have in church, those were people who were politically and socially at completely different ends of the spectrum. And I know from the likes of being in Emmanuel Lurgan for a good number of years, people from a very dark Republican background and people from a very dark loyalist background sitting as best friends, united in, in who they are in Christ. And do you know another another thing that someone said to me one time, just in talking about Emmanuel Church, and they were they were quite uh, I don't think they were just too fond of what Emmanuel was doing, and you know they were saying, talking about Emmanuel and how long have you been going to Emmanuel and that type of thing, and said you you know Emmanuel's sort of the type of church that they take people in other churches don't want, and, and I sort of, I got a wee bit cross because I knew they were they were trying to get a wee bit of a dig, and then I thought do you know what what bigger compliment could you give a church? And, and that's what we want to be known as. And Jesus said in John thirteen thirty four, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And it's not, as you know, Debbie has touched on, it's not easy. When we were out in, myself and Bruno were out in Bible College in India in 2009 <coughs> for three months, the pastor, Pastor Kumar, who, who ran the college, so we were all meeting together as, as we were there as students in 2009 and went back in 2010 to help run the college. And the pastor, Kumar, who was talking to us all as, as students on the first day, and he said, you know, every year in each class there is an EGR person. And we were thinking, well, what, what exactly is that? Extra grace required. <laughs> and I says, if you don't recognize the EGR person, it's probably you. 
So, so looking out, you know, from this church all merging together and everybody here, you know, I can't see any EGR people, so maybe it's, well, no, I can see one or two, maybe. No. <laughs> so perhaps that EGR person is me for you. But these are the types of people that, that Jesus brought together, and it's the importance of being together, the importance of fellowship, and the importance of, of fellowshipping together as a, as a body of Christ. I was talking to a friend at the start of the week that I used to work with, I used to work in the carpet factory in the Girahi Road, and I went around to a friend's house, and we were just talking about different people that we knew. And So he was telling me about this lady who worked in the factory who had come, recently come back to the Lord. And he was asking her, well, what church do you go to? Oh, oh I don't go to church. TBN's my, I, I, TBN's my church. And I just thought, no. Like, no, that's not what church is about. Hebrews 10, 25. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, for me, even just walking through the doors of church, for me there is an unspoken declaration of I can't do life on my own. I need people. I need support. I need accountability. I need teaching. I need correction. I have messed up. I need to be in fellowship with other brothers or sisters that I can be accountable to and that I can, can help me restore me when I fall and I can help restore them when they fall. We all we all need each other. As Ali and, and Chris have been preaching over the last while about Nehemiah and, and building the wall, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. We see in chapter three, you know Chris touched on it a few weeks ago, we see in chapter three the types of people that Nehemiah got rallied around to build the walls. Um, I don't have any. I don't have any slides. But in in chapter three, you can look. You can look through it and see that you have the likes of high priests and other fellow priests. You have perfume makers. You have various rulers of various districts. You have a, a ruler of Jerusalem and his daughters. You have goldsmiths, ordinary people. Now the thing about when they were joining together as a family to carry out this vision and build and build this wall, what they. What they did through the day, it didn't matter. A job needed done. And in the formation of our manual Port Down here, while there's, there's ministries being established and there'll be opportunities for, for people to, to flow in their gifts and that type of thing, no, there's times stuff just needs done. And there's times we just need to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in. And, uh, you know, for, for what we want to do here and what we want to achieve in... And the vision of what we have, today's version of Nehemiah chapter 3 would be, you know, who's building the wall? Church leaders, business owners, accountants, CEOs, politicians, nurses, doctors, dentists, managers, ordinary people, whatever your job title is, you're, you're in that list. So everybody was, everybody was joining into the, the overarching vision of rebuilding the wall and like what, what, what has come together with... Emmanuel Lurgan and Chris and Debbie with Finyard, their their larger vision was to rewrite the story of Craig Avon. And we want to do that by building our part of the wall. And we want to do that with what your occupation is here. Do you know what, folks? It doesn't matter. You're part you're part of building the wall. And uh, and we'll do that by the six key principles that we we'll have shared here in the past, prioritizing presence. Mobilizing mission, investing in youth, growing as a family, training leaders, and striving for kingdom unity. The disciples that Jesus chose were with him for two and a half to three and a half years. Uh, they had seen firsthand 
first-hand the miracles that Jesus had done. They'd been with him when he healed people. They'd been with him when he set people free. They had seen him move in the, the power and authority of who he was. Even in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sent out the 72, they reported back saying, even the demons submit to us in your name. So after the resurrection, when Jesus was meeting with the disciples, it says in Matthew twenty-eight seventeen, I touched on this one evening, on the, one of the evening services. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight seventeen. when they saw him, that's when the disciples saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And here's Jesus' response to the doubters. Don't worry a thing about it. It'll be all right. These are all together. Sure, don't worry. You know, everything will be fine. It'll all work out all right. Do you know what Jesus' response to the doubters were? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus said, all authority, all authority has been given to me. So for us who are sitting here, if you're a doubter, that's okay, because I'm a doubter. And there's times I think, you know, I, I don't think I can do what I've been asked to do. I don't think I can do what God is going to be calling me to do. And I'm not just sure that I have the ability to carry this out. And if you, if you think that, and if you're not convinced that you do have the ability to carry it out and do what God wants you to do or get involved in a particular ministry, that's okay. Because here's what Jesus says to you if you're a doubter. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. The message version says when, when the disciples uh, saw Jesus and some doubted that Jesus was undeterred. Jesus isn't threatened by your, your doubt that you can't carry out his work. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And when, and when Christ gets you with your availability, folks, you can accomplish anything. You know, if, if you don't think that you can pray with that person and work, that's okay. Do it anyway. If you think you can't come up to the front of church and give a word, that's okay. Do it anyway. If you think you can't share Jesus with someone who's on your heart, that's okay. If you're doubting that you can do it, that's okay. Do it anyway. Because Christ's authority is in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living and abiding in us. Trust what you're carrying. Uh, as I say, our gifts are important, and as the church establishes and there's more ministries come out of that, actually it is crucial in finding our identity in Christ and pouring ourselves out in our in our gifting. But there is sometimes where you know we just need to roll up our sleeves and and get a job done. And just just briefly, it's come into my head about the disciples years ago at Jesus' time. They're going, going through their schooling and learning. They would, they'd have been schooled and learning the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, and they'd have been memorizing. And, and their goal at that time was they wanted to follow a rabbi, of which there were many rabbis. So going through schooling, then they, they would have got to the point where they would have approached 
a rabbi uh, because they wanted to follow him. Now, he had to judge if this student was capable of becoming who he was, not just thinking like him and not just doing the things he did, but was that student able to become like me would be the rabbi's view. So the, he, would have, he would have grilled the student, he would have asked them about their theology, he would have asked them about what their thoughts were on different types of you know, their, their outlook on life and all those types of things. If he thought that student couldn't become like him, he would have said, go and learn your father's business. That's why he was saying when Jesus approached some of the disciples, they were fishing because they hadn't made the cut to be following a particular rabbi. So when Jesus came to them and said, so if, when a the rabbi then wanted to, to accept that student, they, they thought that, that student could become like who they were. They would have said, come follow me. So when Jesus went to the fishermen and said, come follow me, what he was actually saying was, I see the potential in you to become like me. And that invitation is opened up to every one of us. And Jesus is saying to every one of us, come follow me, because he can see the potential in you and in me to become like him. And when we're, when we're flowing in our, in our gifts and the authority of Christ, th- there's, a, there's nothing that, that can hold us back, folks. Um, Debbie had touched as well there on the baptism. In, in Psalm chapter 2, which is a, a kingly psalm, uh, and you read through it, you'll see phrases like, the kings of the earth take their stand, the one in throat in heaven laughs, I have installed my king on Zion. So it's very much a psalm about the kingship. And in verse 7, we see God the Father saying, you are my son. Psalm 42 we also is a chapter that's focusing on servanthood. And we see phrases like, here is my servant whom I uphold. I will open the eyes of the blind. I will free captives from the prison. In verse 1, it says, Here is my servant in whom I am well pleased, or in whom I delight. So, in, in uh, Jesus' baptism, in Matthew three seventeen, it says, When Jesus was being baptized, he heard God the Father saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So God the Father wasn't just saying to the people there, This is my son and I am pleased with him. What God the Father was saying was, This is my son who comes to you with all the authority of a king but with the power of a servant. And when we are flowing in the authority that we have in Christ, our, our authority in Christ flows when we are serving and given to the body of Christ and, and flowing as a family. I think one of the greatest assets we have as the body of Christ is that we carry Christ's authority. But I also think one of the biggest, biggest hindrances that we have is that we don't recognize it. And I think if we truly recognised who we were in Christ, we're unstoppable. Just like you know, Caroline and the worship team were singing, you know, who can stop the Lord Almighty? And when we're when we're serving and we're giving ourselves away and we're flowing, we're flowing in our gifts. When whenever we have an opportunity to do that, or we're rolling up our sleeves and getting something done in the name of Christ, and we're working together, it's then that we can rewrite the story of our city. Well, just time is time's moving on, so we'll uh, let us pray, folks, and we'll just finish there. Father, I just thank you for the fact that you have brought us together as a family. Lord, we thank you for the fact that in this family, Lord, it is your desire to be in the middle of who we are 
and that your desire to meet with us, Lord, and it is your desire, Father, that we will flow in unity with each other, love and support each other, Father. We thank you that you have established your body on earth for us, Father, to, uh, to join together, to come together, Lord, to flow in the work that you have for us, Father. And we thank you for putting your hand on us, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing here in Portadown, Lord. And I just continue to pray for the overarching vision that we have to rewrite the story of Craigavon, Lord, because you have changed the world through 12 disciples who went out, Father, and spread this message, Lord, the potential that is in this room with the authority that we have in Christ and that we ha- the power that we have as servants, Lord, we can rewrite the story of Craigavon. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, do you want to come up and um, share? Go ahead. Hi, my name is Roberta Jess. Um, I'm a member of Port Down Emmanuel. And I'm just so nervous, but I just feel that it's really appropriate just to share this at this time. It's something that David and I have talked about, and it's about overflowing in your gifts within the body. I have been a midwife for 37 years and recently um, retired from home births and things like that, but I have a wonderful birthing pool. Um, and we've been talking about um, just just building our place in the wall. And Stephen's been talking about all authority he's given to you to go and baptize in Jesus' name. And just, I think it's significant that this morning, as David and I have shared, that my wonderful birthing pool that has been used quite frequently for water baptisms. Um, we feel that we would like to donate it to Portadown Emmanuel um, to be used for baptisms, and especially with our eldest granddaughter. Um, it's going to be one of the first to be baptised in it, so bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. And... Um you know, just as we're talking about family, um, the thing is that, that in families we all have a place, we all have a part, there's there's somewhere for each of us. And I want to just encourage you this morning as we're finishing to think, you know, there is a place for me, um, there's an opportunity for me, and, and to step into that will probably require you to step into a place of risk and a place of, of actually uh, vulnerability. And uh, we have a little plaque in our house, and it says, love like you'll never get hurt. And there's a long story behind it. Um, It annoys me. But if you want to step into the place where you're going to see God's kingdom come, you have to step into a place where you can get hurt. You have to love other people um, and and expect that that will happen uh, sometimes. But maybe you're you're in a place where you have been hurt before, and and you need some healing. So the service is is finishing now, and the kids are coming back. But if you would like prayer this morning, we'd love you to come up for prayer if you want to respond in any way, if God's been stirring your heart. Maybe even you find yourself, there's a bit of fear rising up and thinking about loving other people and being part of a church family. Maybe you've had bad experiences. Maybe you've had some good experiences too, but God's just challenging you afresh this morning. So if if God's speaking to you in any way and you would like prayer, um, if you want to come up to the front, we'd love to pray for you afterwards. But our service is officially over. Your kids are are coming to share what they've